it's going to be a reset for the church because God is going to lead us into a place that we remember who we are. In an uncertain time, the church needs to be absolute certain who they are. I want to preach to you for a few moments here on a word that, that, uh, that the Lord gave me a couple days ago. And um, it's found, we're going to be looking in 1 Samuel chapter 8. And we'll be reading several scriptures here. Uh, but this is, uh, this is the, uh, the place we will spend most of our time. <clears throat> I want to preach to you from this subject the reign of the tangible the reign of the tangible verse 1 and it came to pass when Samuel was old that he made his sons judges over Israel now the name of the firstborn was Joel, and the name of his second, Abiah. They were judges in Beersheba. Amen. Y'all may be seated. We will continue to read here. And his sons walked not in his ways, but turned aside after lucre, and took bribes, and perverted Judgment. Then all the elders of Israel gathered themselves together and came to Samuel unto Ramah. Now I want you to notice here uh, what's, where Samuel was. Samuel was in Ramah. And if you read the end of, of chapter 8, or the end of chapter 7, In verse 17, and his return was to Ramah, for there was his house, and there he judged Israel, and there he built an altar unto the Lord. This is very important where we are to understand where Samuel, he was in the place where his altar was. And said unto him, Behold, thou art old, and thy sons walk not in thy ways. Now make us a king to judge us like all the nations. What was it about these other nations? And even the gods that these other nations they worshipped. Was it because these other nations had tangible evidence of their gods and what appeared to be a secure kingdom. Was it the might of their military that made them feel at ease? 
Samuel was wrong to appoint his sons as judges, especially knowing God has been the one to raise up judges. His sons didn't walk in his ways. But maybe, just maybe, Samuel's hope was that they would learn. I think we could take something from that idea. That I'm going to push him into something because I want them to learn. And if we're going to push him anywhere, we need to be pushing them into the kingdom of God. That they would learn how to live for God. We push him to do all kinds of other things. We, I've talked about this here recently, you know, not just here, but uh, just in conversation, is that there has been such a push to make sure that our, ki- our, co- our kids know that college is the most important thing for them to, to accomplish in their life. Why? Why do we do that? Why do we push to get them... To receive indoctrination so much. It's one thing to push them to educate themselves. But if they're not where they are spiritually. Don't expect that to be endorsed when they face a four year program. If somebody is not rooted and grounded in the faith. When they step onto that campus. It's only a matter of time before they start sounding like. Before they start looking like the culture concentrated that they face. But somehow that's been the goal in all of our lives is I've got to work and save up to send them off to college. Well, that's a good thought and everything, but you you better get the first thing straight. Their relationship with God is more important than that degree that hangs on the wall because if they gain the whole world and lose their soul, it doesn't matter what they accomplish in this life. It's not the tangible that I have. But somehow in our culture, it's the reign of the tangible. God has become what we see and what we can hold, what we can touch. And what we can see and what we can touch is all just the facade. We all want our children to do better than us, to make the decisions that we should have and to learn how to walk in his ways better than we have. Maybe Samuel was, was hopeful because of the men of God that, 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 he, that, that God raised up through the years and how uh, he himself was dedicated to the service of the one true God. And then in that process, he learned, Samuel learned how to serve. Samuel was a good and a godly man who still had a confidence in God because he still had an altar. If we don't have an altar, we won't have confidence in God. Maybe maybe Samuel was, was hoping his sons would learn the importance of the altar, but they didn't. They were out for what they could get for themselves, taking bribes and corrupting justice. There was corruption 
And that corruption caused them to look at the appeared success of these other nations. When corruption is uncovered, it, it, it causes people to look somewhere else. That's why I believe so many have come into the church and have left the churches because they found corruption in the church because they found voices that were on the pews that were contrary to the message that was coming across the pulpit. There was no unity and therefore the one person that they came in contact with was the one person that uncovered all of the corruption. And so they looked in a different direction. Did the people somehow forget who was really in charge? Samuel may have made his selection subjectively, but I believe his intentions were still based in, the, in his confidence in God, not man. If I make a bad decision, it won't slip past God and He will make sure that I know about it. He will bring it to my attention. Come on, you know what it is when you make a bad decision and the Spirit of the Lord brings it up to your mind and you've got to wrestle with it and you've got to deal with it until it brings you to a place where you repent to it. You repent from it. God isn't concerned about our mistakes as much as He is concerned about our willingness to learn from them. God's people had a special thing going on in this day, in this scripture, this, this situation. They, had a, they were a part of a special kingdom up to this point. But now, but now they wanted to be like the other nations. Verse 6, but, then, but the thing displeased Samuel when they said, Give us a king to judge us. And Samuel prayed unto the Lord. And the Lord said unto Samuel, Hearken unto the voice of the people and all that they say unto thee. For they have not rejected thee, but they have rejected me that I should not reign over them. They decided that what they seen before them and the so-called prosperity of other nations and other kingdoms was more valuable than the one true God who had led them this far. This disturbed Samuel, but, but Samuel didn't take it to Facebook to prove why he thought that that was a bad move. He didn't get his phone out and snap a picture of those who were demanding this change and make a meme out of it. He prayed because he had an altar. Because he still had confidence in God. Your people are discouraged. Because they're looking elsewhere. They want to be like the other nations. 
They want somebody to rule and to reign over them that's tangible, that they can see sitting somewhere, that they can see posted somewhere. They want to see the results of their security, but I choose to trust in the one true God because my confidence is not in what I can see. It's in who I can Samuel was displeased, and that word means to be broken up, to be grievous. Samuel was destroyed by this idea that the people no longer wanted God to reign over them. He didn't turn to the world, he turned to the altar. Come on, when we're faced with trouble, we don't turn to the world to let it out on the world or to seek refuge in the world. We turn to God where our altar is and we pour out our troubles. Samuel was crushed. He took it personal, and and when he took it to prayer, he found the reason. It wasn't because they rejected you. They rejected me that I should not reign over them. They want the reign of the tangible. They're looking for the things they can hold in their hand. Verse 8, according to all the works which they have done since the day that I brought them up out of Egypt, even unto this day, wherewith they have forsaken me and served other gods, so they do also unto thee. Now therefore hearken unto their voice, howbeit yet protest solemnly unto them, and show them the manner of the king. They shall reign over them. Come on, we're going to be looking at some words here. Words that God wanted written down. They were important enough to write down because they represent everything that the people would get if they chose a a king to rule over them. If they chose the tangible to rule over them. Since the exodus, they have struggled with their faithfulness and with who they worship. God said, go ahead and give them what they want. But I also want you to tell them what they're getting. Verse 10, And Samuel told all the words of the Lord unto the people that asked of him a king. And he said, This will be the manner of the king that shall reign over you. He will take your sons. And, the, and appoint them for himself. Whether they be good or bad. Whether the king will be good or bad. Because you get some good ones and you get some bad ones. For his chariots and to be his horsemen. And some shall run before his chariots. And he will appoint him captains over thousands and captains 
over 50s and, and will set them to ear his ground and to reap his harvest and to make his instruments of ore and instruments of his chariots. Do you recognize the ongoing theme here? He will do this for himself. The king will make these decisions based on how it benefits him. And this is the one you want to reign over you. Because the other nations have this. And to make his instruments of war and instruments of his chariots. And he will take your daughters to be confectionaries and to be cooks and to be bakers. And he will take your fields and your vineyards and your oliveyards, even the best of them, and give them to his servants. Come on, there is a his and then there's his people. And he will take the tenth of your seed and of your vineyards and give to his officers and to his servants. I, I don't know, but when I began to read this, I, I was seeing something else going on. Maybe it's just been me, but do you, do you, see, do you see what's going on here? He will take from you and give it to who he wants to give it to. And he will take your men servants and your maid servants and your goodliest young men and your asses and put them to his work. He will take the tenth of your sheep and ye shall be his servants. And ye shall cry out in that day because of your king which ye shall have chosen you and the Lord will not hear you in that day. Nevertheless, the people, listen, nevertheless, it doesn't matter. The people refused to obey the voice of Samuel and they said, nay, but we will have a king over us. We will do what we want to do and it doesn't matter what happens. It doesn't matter how bad you make it out to be. We will have a king to rule over us. It doesn't matter what he'll do. We want a king. We want somebody visible. We want the tangible terrain over us. We want him to rule over us because Joel and Abijah are corrupt. But our king won't be corrupt. The special kingdom that the people were a part of was about to change. Israel was under the reign of God. They were not like these other nations who were being ruled by an earthly king. God was leading them and he would raise up leaders in the time of need. But somehow the people wanted an earthly king. Somehow, God was not big enough. God was not strong enough. And God was not visible. You, I don't see Him. I don't see Him. I want something tangible. 
Can I tell you today, God has never needed man's help. He sure isn't waiting for the right voice in Washington. Come on, I hope I'll ruffle somebody's feathers. Uh, maybe not in here, but maybe, maybe somebody who would just listen, listen online. God is not waiting for the right person to step into that Oval Office. He doesn't need political position to accomplish His will. It is, it is the people who chose an earthly king. And God said, they've rejected me. The, the problem with our world, our nation, is earthly. The problem and the chaos all around us, it's earthly. And what I mean by that, it's because they have what's tangible reigning over them. And what's tangible can be changed. It can go from one hand to another hand. And if it owns you, you'll follow it. The focus is earthly. And that's the problem. All eyes are on our government. All eyes. And maybe, maybe they, they were, uh, maybe there was only half of the eyes in 2016, but all the eyes are on it now. Because people want the reign of the tangible. What is the government going to do about the dilemma? What's the president going to do about what's going on in our society? The liberals are going to destroy the great, this great nation. The Republicans are going to destroy this great nation. All eyes are on Washington for the hope for our country. Because the people want an earthly king. It was no different from first century. Listen, this has been an ongoing problem since, since the beginning. Oh, this is an ongoing problem in our life. Acts 1 and 6. When they therefore were come together, they asked of him saying, Lord, will thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? What they were more concerned about was the restoration of political and territorial kingdom. 
Somehow they were convinced that the earthly government held all the power and they could not thrive uh, without the right earthly king. Somehow there are people in this life, apostolic people, who think they can't thrive with that Donald Trump in the Oval Office. I'm here to tell you, it's never been about who is the President of the United States. Our faith is not in the Oval Office. Our faith is that, our faith is at the altar that we have built to connect with the one true God I don't need Washington I need God Almighty I don't need to be Republican or Democrat I need to be sold out to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords the great reset is to put aside all the earthly things and get into the spirit and thrive. Well, this Joe Biden character, he's going to ruin our country. No, he's not. Because there's a church that understands the power of prayer. We can't be all doom and gloom as the government is going to make the difference in our life. The government doesn't own me. But there is one who purchased me with his own blood. I am his and nobody else can take me away. I'm not a citizen of this country. I'm a citizen of another kingdom that this world knows not of. God has never needed a political advantage to accomplish his will. Although the people may think he does. One thing is... To be said, he operates outside of earthly limitations. I wonder if some of the people that I've read on Facebook understand how they sound when they, when they make a demonstrative stance for their U.S. constitutional rights. As if that's the only way that they can thrive in their life. Think about it. I've been living, I love this country, I love this land, but you know what's happened is our rights have caused us to be comfortable. Because we've had prosperity. God has blessed us over the years, and so we've somehow attributed that to, 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 the, to the one that was in the office. Well, the economy's going good, so it's because of this president. No, it's because of the favor of the Lord. And so there will be times of famine. There will be times of plenty. And in the times of famine, I'm not going to look to the government for my help. I'm going to look to my God for help. Because He shall supply all my needs according to His riches and glory. The problem, I think, with, with, with us as Americans 
is it, it flip-flopped. It went from us being apostolic Christians, apostolic Pentecostals, born-again believers, to American citizens first, and then born again. I'm not, I'm not going to change sides, change citizenships because of prosperity when the prosperity is because of God anyways. The great deception of the hour is that there is a man in the White House that's going to make the difference. But there is a, a militant group out there, right, that says, we don't care. I, I even seen this somewhere. We don't care. We're unmanageable. We're ungovernable. We can't be governed. So you've got people that are all kinds of crazy and all over the place. But as long as I've got an altar, and as long as I know how to go into my closet and pray effectual, fervent prayers, whatever chaos and confusion that's going on all around me won't affect me. It's not going to make me want to change sides. He doesn't need, God doesn't need our nation's freedoms to accomplish His will. And if I can be transparent with you, this earthly kingdom has been a crutch for people. And that's why so many are voicing against this chaos going on right now, is because their freedoms are being threatened the comforts that we have the comforts that we have experienced in our life up to this point I, I said it before I, you know up until this point the last couple years I haven't known oppression I haven't really known what it's like to truly be without There's always been opportunity, and America has been such a beautiful place for opportunity that people can come here and do what they set out to do. They get an idea, and guess what? They can do something with that idea and make money off of it. It's, it's a land of opportunity, but somehow the opportunities have been tied in with the government. And if our opportunities are threatened, then this thing must not be of God. Come on, there's some, there's some, been some crazy people out there call themselves saved, saying that Trump is is God's gift to United States of America. Listen, I'm not saying he did, he did some good stuff. <laughs> but he's not who I would go to and say, this is a man of God. And I wouldn't dare say he's, he's the reason that I've been successful. He's not the reason I'm employed. He may have done some good things for the economy, but he's not the reason I'm employed. I don't accredit it to the president. I accredit it to my provider. 
I got the job I have. You know why? Because God made a way for somebody that didn't have a clue how to make it in society. And he said, you know what? My favor is upon him. My calling is upon him. And I'm going to do stuff for him because I love him. I'm done. Let's all stand. Listen, college kids, don't let the enemy convince you that God is not real. Those of you that are still in school, you just let the words... That, uh, that evolution is why we're here. You let those go in one ear and out the other. You know why? Because we have the answers for why we're here. And we know the one who created everything. People got to step into school and think, you know what? These people don't believe the same thing I do. And so that means you got to be on guard. I've sat in class and thought, you know what? This is a lie. And they're just talking about geology. It doesn't have to be some antichrist subject in school. They're all tied together. Teaching, teaching theories as factual evidence. Come on, I didn't spawn from no egg in the water. But I did come from an egg. Just like the way God said. Just like the way He ordained. Listen, I, I, I've, watched, I've watched young people go into college and lose their faith. Because of indoctrination. You, get, you spend all this time studying and writing papers on stuff that you may not even believe. know how to ruffle some feathers you go into that classroom you say no 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 that's not how I believe God is the creator and you'll watch you'll watch how things stir you'll watch people get mad and try to shut you down I've heard the stories it never happened to me but I've heard the stories we had a we was at greater faith and we had a young man that was they were talking about they were talking about something I can't remember but he brought up his faith in the classroom and you know what they shut him down the professor shut him down they don't want to hear it because it goes against everything that they're teaching you can learn some good don't get me wrong you can learn some good things in college you can learn some some skills and some things but you got to watch the basics the basics are the ones that'll get you I don't even know why I went off on that well, because it's all tied together to keep us locked into this earthly kingdom, this tangible, this tangible evidence. I got this education. I got this diploma. It's tangible. I can hold it. I'm going to be successful. I got this money in my bank account. It's tangible. I can get to it. You know. But what we have to do is hold on to Jesus and make sure that there is nothing that comes our way that shakes our faith our confidence to the point where we would want an earthly king to reign over us when we've already got the king of kings we don't need anyone else 
you ain't got to you ain't got to worry about parties with him he's the only one he's the only one that there will ever be come on I just think it would be good for us to just take a moment here and uh, and thank God thank God that we know let's thank him God I thank you that I know you and I'm not confused about who I am and where I belong I belong here I belong in the church I belong where you called me to and that's where I want to stay I don't want to change my citizenship I want to stay locked into this heavenly kingdom because I know that's the only form of truth that I have in this life come on let's just honor the Lord and thank him for who we are and what we know about him You know what I'm ready for this year? I'm ready for some good old time Pentecost church. Holy Ghost moving, atmosphere changing, life transforming, power of God demonstrating. I'm ready for some old school where people would lose their composure. You know why? Because they were persuaded. It's time to return and become persuaded that this is the right way and the only way to live. Amen. I love you all. Love this church. I love God's people. And uh, listen, your faithfulness um, encourages me. And uh, I know that it encourages people that are watching you. You may not know that people are watching you, but there's people watching you. And uh, I want to do a couple things before we uh, before we end the service. Once again, we've missed the offering, but that's okay. We can uh, we can do that right now. But I want us to do something here. There's a there's a need, and uh, I want to give you the opportunity to to give from your from your heart. And uh, from your, from the, from the uh, the blessings that God has given you, would you would you consider that today? And uh, the need is um, in that basket right beside our tithing and offering box. Uh, I would like for the for us to take up an offering. Um, and uh, I don't even really want to say. Um, Uh, 
well, I'm kind of torn. But there is a need. And uh, this opportunity to, to bless a family. And um, I'm, just, I'm just trying to be cautious because I don't want to embarrass him. So at this time, if you'll submit your offering, uh, your general offering, just make a, a different, uh, just differentiate which box you put it in. So the basket will be for the need and then our general offering. And so we'll just take a moment here and uh, God bless you in your giving. I love this church and your willingness to give. Uh, you're such an awesome example of faithful giving. So God bless you all. Sister. I meant to ask him to make this announcement, but I want to make, while you're giving, I want to make this announcement that February the 7th, which is two weeks from today, um, Miss Kaylin is going on an AYC trip to New York City in June, June the 28th through the through July 5th. She's going to be doing a bake sale after church. I know she's already spoken with some of you about helping her with that. And so if she's not gotten with you and you want to bake something, then I recommend you see that young lady and let her know. But if um, also bring your, your appetites and, and bring some extra cash, extra change to be able to support that bake sale for her, that's going to be for her AYC trip. And so that will be two weeks from today on February 7th. all I have. Okay, so with that being said, then um, some of you have already give, uh, so we'll just take this time and on your way out if you uh, present your offering, your gift. God bless you all. I love you. Appreciate you. Keep fighting the good fight.